I'm unapologetically fly. I don't wonder why, that's just my attitude. Yeah. Okay, hey, that's just my. Uh, 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 come on. Hi guys, welcome to Iconic.com and Glitching the Code here. I'm here with a new guest and it's always nice to meet new people. Once you do this work for a, for a while, you start to go round and round in circles. So this is great to meet a new guest. I'm here with Dr. Joy and Dr. Joy Pugh. And um, she's written some amazing books, The Knowledge of Good and Evil, Eden, 666 six, uh, six and the Antichrist and The Clone Image of Jesus. And what I love about this um, Dr. Joy's work is that it comes from a, a different background to me, but it has so many themes that cross over to some of the conspiracy work we do. And it is a conspiracy in a sense. It's hidden knowledge from people that should have it. So, um, Dr. Joy, thank you for, for coming on to the show. Um, do you want to just start off by take, but what was it about, about this kind of information that really piqued your interest? When did you go, oh, my God, this this, there's something else here in this information that's in the Bible that goes, hang on a minute, what happened in the Garden of Eden and what happened with these bloodlines, which is where we want to talk about today. Sure. I, I started looking into these things a very long time ago. I've been doing research a very, very long time. And so my books really focus on that. A lot of people don't understand. But when you want to know about the end of days, you have to go back and find out what really happened in the beginning to get the clear picture about what is going to happen at the end of days. And so because of the years that I spent looking into different aspects of the end of days, I knew that there were some things that are talked about, like to say in the book of Revelation. If you're a Christian, the Christian Bible, the last book there is called the book of Revelation. And in that book, it mentions that there is the serpent and this old red dragon that was really with us from the very beginning. And so that forced me back to look like, who is this being? Because as children, we've all been taught if you're, especially if you grew up in the Christian religion, and if you don't, you hear the stories of Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden and that they were in paradise and that somewhere along the way, the snake was in a tree and he offered uh, an apple for uh, Eve to eat and that she partook of the, the apple. And for some reason that made the creator God very mad. And so therefore he put them out of the garden. And so from that point on, we lived in a fallen world, which we still live in today. So those kinds of things really were um, important for me to get a greater understanding instead of that childlike uh, fairy tale or myth, or even what I believe to be truth. It depends on where you're coming from it, because I'm a Christian, so I believe that everything that scripture has been written for us to have is God-inspired. And the research that I've done clearly tells me that everything that has been told us has happened 100% to the T as to what was, was told in scripture. So I come from it with this very great knowledge of having studied all the scriptures and being able to place everything in context you have to go back, and what I wanted to do was to go back and look at it word by word, and sometimes even Hebrew letter by Hebrew letter, because of that was so important. There's different letter, layers, actually, in Scripture, and we are told many times, you know, that when you're a young Christian, you get the milk of the situation, and then as you grow in the knowledge and you start looking deeper into the layers of what's in Scripture, what you find is there's this more and more meat, and the more you go for that, you can get down to the very Hebrew letters and they have a very a meaning that's beyond words. I mean, those particular letters can be manifested in sound. And if you've got sand near them, those letters will come out in the sand. 
So when we think about what scripture says, that God spoke and these things happened, they were not like something already existed. He spoke it and it occurred. So sometimes we are so used to seed time and harvest and the, the cycle of life that we don't know how to just put in our minds. How did somebody just say something and then it happened? And so that was really important for me to get the really understand what was scripture really saying, not an, an interpretation, not what other people thought, but for me to sit down once I had done all these years of research to really find out what happened in that garden, because that is a foundation stone. And if anyone knows about building houses or constructing anything, if you don't get the foundation stone and the foundation laid, then everything that you build will not stay in truth because it'll fall apart and so I knew for me to be able to really explain an antichrist and who was going to come to power and how the wheat and tares were here and that who those wheat and tares were the parable of the wheat and tares how do you explain how all of that really got here because most people think well God created humans and that was the only thing and that it was epochs of time so I had to really go back and, and really dig deep Richard, because that's important. If you don't get the laid foundation correct, then everything that's structurally after that just doesn't add up. And I really did not want to fool myself. When I first started doing this research, I was really answering questions that I had to appease me. I was always an inquisitive child. And so as time went on, when I would ask questions to professors or to people in the church, you know, ministers and that kind of thing, and they could not answer those questions, then it forced me to say, okay, these answers are here, but it's going to mean researching. And that's something that I really enjoy doing. So I spent a lot of time really reading and trying to find out everything I could find out without having this preconceived uh, knowledge. Even though I've been brought up as a Christian and in the Christian faith, I still went about my research like I would if I was going to be, let's say, in front of a jury and I wanted to present a case. And this is my case. And then I want to find out everything's possible. Could the person have done it? Did they not do it? I mean, every aspect of it. So I didn't limit when I sat down to write my work. And when you read my work, you will find that I touch on every aspect of field of study that is out there to bring it all together. So my work doesn't just focus only on Christianity. I bring in everything from the outside. I mean, my fields of study, it, it, touch, it touches everything. And I know when I first started putting my work together, my publishers were very concerned because I wanted it in the genre of science and religion, which had never been heard of before because they've always said science is over here, religion is over here, the two are not together. And I wanted to show that really religion had given us this foundation and science was catching up with it to really prove it from a lot of different aspects. And so that's what forced me into going back and really find the foundation so that I knew how to build my house on that foundation to show all these things play a part into it. And so that's why I started in the garden. It's fascinating that you say science, religion, and, and you, you, they said they wanted to pull them apart, keep them apart. And now you see the Vatican coming out and supporting transhumanism. So it's kind of gone the other way and they've gone, <laughs> well, we'll just use science, which is another form of a belief system. Obviously, now scientism is a religion in itself and it's not quite science. And we're looking back and the, the old sciences 6,000 years ago, you look back and you say, OK, they had they had acupuncture and people think of that of woo woo weird yeah. you think, well it goes back nearly eight thousand years this 
this energetic healing and we'll get on to talking about it because I know you talk about that a lot and that's where we're getting to now but so what made you go okay I've read all this and I've been brought up in in our family that are religious and and uh, very much steeped in it but why weren't you satisfied with that level of just apples in the garden what made you go is it just (laughs) your nature to go up there's that's just I I need to know more or that doesn't quite sit right with me what was it about that you said that's not well, right. I want to know I think, more. I think it truly was my nature, Richard, because my mother really did say that the day that I was born, the word why was coming out of my mouth. And I'll tell a little story. She was uh, taking me to town one day and we were coming back and she says, Joy, uh, for the next 10 minutes now, I'd like for you just to be very quiet. And I said, well, mama, we'll be home by then. And she said, I know. So <laughs> she she really, it was always not like that I was being cruel, but everything made me want to know why. And so I really have that in my um, being. I mean, I guess I, like she said, I was really born with that, you know, wanting to question why not to be negative, but to really understand the whole picture. And so when I went back to looking for this red dragon, what happened is I started reading the scriptures for myself instead of going and listening to a pastor or listening to someone on TV or assuming, you know, the child biblical stories that you are read, you know, sometimes when you're a little kid. And so what I found, the first fascinating thing that I found was that apple is not mentioned in Genesis. And I'm like, where's the apple at here? I'm like, where is the apple? And I could not find the apple. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, red flag. And things like that happened to me. When I'm doing something and something's not right, it's like a red flag. I immediately know this is something you need to pay great attention to. So when I went back and realized, first of all, that God had actually married Adam and Eve. And then the fact that in Adam's rib, he took the rib, put Adam asleep, took the rib out and made Eve. And then, you know, that went along with the science that I've been studying, that the most perfect DNA that you can get from any human being is from their rib. And I thought, wow, science, I mean, science is kind of just catching up with what scripture has really told us about pureness. And so then I realized that Adam and Eve were married and how holy matrimony was such a very important thing. And then all of a sudden this serpent shows up and I'm like, okay, it really doesn't say snake. And so, you know, in our minds, we've always thought or seen pictures of a tree with a snake, like a rattlesnake in our area wrapped around it or something like that. And I'm like, oh, this says serpent. This is a little different. This goes back and explains maybe this is the red dragon. This is the serpent. So having read, you know, the books of Enoch and all the things before the, the, the creation of our present generation and how the angels were there and how Lucifer was the greatest of all angels. And he was created really to be second in command and that he decided he wanted to be like God and he wanted to be God. And so he was cast out. So I knew that those things had happened and he was, had been cast down to earth. And so all of a sudden I'm like, okay, this is the red dragon. This is what's talking about revelation. And so I started really looking at what was it that was so important about this tree of knowledge of good and evil, because up until this point, if you go back and you look at scripture, everything that God made up until that time, it says God made it and it was good. It doesn't say it wasn't good. Everything was created after their kind. So there wasn't like mixing or genetic manipulation or anything like we have today that's going on. So I'm like, oh, this is really important. This, this pureness, this thread 
of complete pureness. And so when I got into looking at the scriptures, I realized that the innocence that Adam and Eve had, they were naked. They were not ashamed. And I'm like, okay, then why was it all of a sudden they got to wanting to cover themselves up? And so when I realized that they were with the serpents and they were at this tree of knowledge of good and evil, and it's the first tree of anything mentioned of something mixed. Everything else says trees after their kind, animals were after their kind. In other words, cows went with cows, birds went with birds. I mean, it's everything's after its kind and it was good. But for some reason, this tree didn't have something after its same kind. It was odd. Because you think about the tree of life. What's the tree of life? There was nothing else involved in it. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So you have a, a mixture. And that's the first time you see a mixture occur. So, and, and, and the fact that God says to Adam, stay away from this. I don't want you to be a part of it. Don't look at it. Don't touch it. Don't go near it, period. And the fact that Adam was created to be as God. In other words, he wanted Adam to be no different than he expects Jesus Christ to be with the bridegroom and the bride being the believers of the church. And so he established this matrimony, this pureness, this virginness that you see run through scripture all the way to the end of days. And so what happens is, is that I had always thought that Eve was led to the tree, you know, by the beauty of Satan or whatever, and what he was doing there in the tree but what you realize is that adam was right there with eve and later on in scripture and especially in uh, the book of timothy it tells you that really adam was not deceived he had already been told eve was in the transgression but she was beguiled she really was deceived but adam wasn't so adam was supposed to have stood up and said look eve god has told us not to touch this tree not to be around this tree let's go but he did not do that and so I felt that was very interesting that, that this was a situation that I felt like that I had not paid attention to the importance of holy matrimony and the importance of the man and it being under what God expected and then the woman under you. And you read about submission and things like that, but you, sometimes you just don't get it. But when you understand the garden, then you understand that this set up humanity for a very big fall. And so matrimony and um, bridegroom and bride and all that. It's really very important in scripture. So when Adam didn't do that, it was apparent in, uh, quickly that Eve ate with a serpent and then she turned around and she gave to her husband and he ate with her, almost like he was covering up. You know, in my mind, as a child, remembering the stories that had been told, I thought that Eve had gotten apples and run back and, you know, to the cave or whatever and said, hey, uh, Adam, I, I got some apples or whatever. But what I really found out in reading this myself, it was that Adam was right there with her. And so he had the knowledge. Again, scripture tells us he was not deceived in this. So what was he covering? Well, when you find out that they leave after eating with a serpent, and what is the first thing they do? They go and they fix fig leaves. And okay, we already know they were naked. They were not ashamed. The serpent shows up. They eat with a serpent. Now they realize they are naked and they are ashamed. And so when God comes walking, he's like, Adam, where are you? And all of a sudden he's like, well, who told you you were naked? 
So, you know, he, he, he immediately knew what they had done and what had happened. So I went back and looked and I said, well, isn't this strange that when God shows up, they are hiding and they have covered themselves up. Now, you know, as children, if you are naive and you go in the cookie jar and your mother said, don't eat cookies before lunchtime and you snuck a cookie and you ate it when she walked in, if you were standing there and you just put a cookie in your mouth, would you have hidden your private parts? No, you would have put your hand over your mouth. So I'm like, oh, this is very interesting that they did not put their hands over their mouths, keeping that from God knowing they had so-called eaten a piece of fruit. And so I went back, that was a red flag. That was just, it just really bothered me. And then the curse that God puts on the serpent, he says, your seed and I'm like, well, where, because anytime you study scripture, seed means the lineage. You can't get away from it. It means the lineage. Who's the only person in scripture that the serpent has had anything to do with? Eve. And then it says that uh, Adam and Eve's child, that it's going to have infamy with that serpent seed. So immediately, you know, that something now, because you've gone from them being naked and not ashamed to dealing with a serpent, and now God's going, you know, he's cursing the serpent and his seed against the uh, seed of the woman and Adam. And I'm like, okay, she ate with the serpent, and she turned and she gave to her husband, and he did eat with her as well. So I went back and I said, something really happened here. And I'll be honest with you, Richard, I had never heard the possibility that there had been a sexual encounter at that point. That was something I had never heard in all the years that I had been going to school, all the years I had been in, 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 you know, going to hear preachers and being in Sunday school. I mean, I was there every Sunday. I, so I never heard anything about a sexual experience. When I looked up, ate and eat, because that immediately I wanted to know how, why would why would God be cursing children, you know, and, and all of a sudden there's not an apple and they're hiding their private parts. It was just you can't help but start thinking. Of course, my undergraduate uh, degrees were in psychology. And so, you know, I studied all about 40 in psychology and what you do when you're a child and how it manifests and this kind of thing. So the sexual orientation of my background made me start thinking, oh, my gosh, something really happened between them. And we've got two seed lines. So when I went back and looked at the Hebrew and the true words that are about eight and eat, it is a sexual encounter. And so immediately I'm like, oh my gosh, then this explains a lot of the stuff that I just never could put into, into my mind about how serious this was, because I couldn't understand if God was a God that said an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth, then if you ate something, then it would be you know, I'm going to curse your mouth or your digestive system. But instead, he went after, you know, the, the children and that there would be this enmity between seed lines and that it would continue really through the end of days. And so that, that really was like a really major red flag that laid a foundation to explain why Cain's lineage and really why Abel why Cain killed Abel. And then of course they had another, Adam and Eve had another child named Seth. But when you really get the understanding that she turned and she ate with the serpent first, and then she turned and gave to her husband, the next thing I went to, when I realized that there was a sexual encounter and that the Hebrew was telling me that, 
I went and I said, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to Google every medical record I can find. Has there ever been a case in human history that's been documented that a woman had a sexual encounter with somebody other than her husband one night and came home and immediately had a sexual encounter with her husband? And did she deliver twins on the same day and the first child come out, the, the child of the boyfriend, and the second child come out and be the child of the husband? Well, sure enough, in the medical literature, there are many cases of that occurring. So that's what I'm saying. Here, the scripture was telling us something like this. And now science literally has proven that that is the case. And so when I went to look past that, I was like, okay, then this makes a little bit more sense as to why God said what he said, that this was not what he had intended. He, he had told them, stay away from that. Do not be a part of it. And all through scripture, he talks about whoredom. He talks about not being virgins, not being clean, not being pure. I mean, this is a constant thing. In fact, there are two or three different books in the Bible are nothing but who begat, who begat, who begat. And I used to wonder, well, why is all that in scripture? Just it's like the big names and you're like, oh my gosh, trying to keep up with it and, and, and that kind of thing. And what you find out is it's, it's actually showing you the lineages, how Jesus Christ came from the lineage that did not have that serpent seed in it to be able to die on a cross as a person who didn't have any tainted blood. He was still pure. And it also explained why Noah was perfect in his generations. And they would say, well, but yet he got drunk, but he was perfect in his lineage. So I went back and I was looking at this and I said, oh, this is really interesting. From the standpoint of when Cain and Abel are giving their first fruits to God, you know, they've been born. And, and it's interesting that I would say this, when they named their first son, it says that it was named and Eve said she got the man from the Lord. She never said she got him from Adam. And in fact, in Adam's lineage, Cain is never mentioned. And in Jewish tradition, the first son is like the main son. So it's, it's all these little things. And it says who was the first murderer? And it says, you know, that Cain was a father. His father was Satan. I mean, it, it, you get this through scripture. So what happens is when I looked up Cain, the Hebrew in Cain, what that means, it means acquired. Why would you name your son acquired other than the fact that you acquired this child because Eve is the mother and Adam had to take care of it because this serpent was a beast of the field. And if you understand beast of the field, the mother, the baby's you know, if they're whatever there are, if they are rabbits or squirrels, it's the mother that stays and the, and the male will leave and go on to another. They're not married. That's why I'm saying marriage is like this major thing with God. No other animal marries. I mean, this is, this is crucial to understanding how serious this is with God. So when I looked at what was Abel's name in Hebrew, his name means or translates as breath. And what we find is Adam and Eve had the breath. If you go back and it says when God created Adam, he put into him, he blew into him the breath of life, which is a soul. 
So if you look at that and you see that that happened, then that meant that Abel, by them naming their child Abel, is he had the breath. But Cain, again, his name meant acquired, meaning that he was not like Adam and Eve, you know, in that pure DNA because Eve had been made from Adam's DNA. So that DNA should have been totally pure without a problem. And so as, as Cain and Abel grow up and they've been cast out of the garden, because of course, when, when, when God realizes what's happening, he curses them, he puts Adam and Eve out of the garden. And so that means that Adam has got to toil the ground to look after his family. And so as a part of that, it was mandated in God's commandments that you give the first fruits to him. And so when Abel gave his first fruits to God, but Cain didn't. He gave it when he wanted to give it. And it was not like he felt like it was really necessary to give the best of the best of whatever. So when God doesn't accept Cain's fruits, first fruits, because it's not really his first fruits, then Cain gets mad at Abel. Mm -hmm. And he literally has an argument with Abel. He's jealous and he kills Abel. So he is the first murderer. And so when God comes up to Cain, because Abel's blood is crying to him from the ground, and that's a whole nother story we could get into because we're all vibrating. The blood has a, a frequency. And so therefore God, it never dies. In other words, it's always vibrating. So he heard Abel from the ground crying out. And so when he comes up, God comes up to Abel. He says, where is thy brother? Cain, where's, where, where's Abel at? And Cain has this attitude with the creator. Now, I'm going to tell you, you know, if Adam and Eve got cast out of the garden, when those two boys were born, they no doubt in my mind told them, look, we had the perfect setup. We didn't do right. This is what God requires. And he's God. And he can do some really bad things if you don't do what he says to or line up to what his expectations are. So don't you find it strange that when he comes up, God comes up to Cain and he says, where's thy brother Abel? That Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? Okay, all through scripture, yes, everybody is told we are our brother's keeper. But yet Cain looked at the creator God who really had the power to do whatever. And I'm sure Adam and Eve had told him that. He is defiant. So as a person who has studied many, many years of psycho somatic kinds of things and people who have psychological tendencies and people who have all these um, antisocial behaviors, schizophrenia. I mean, you just, you can name, you can get the uh, diagnostic statistical manual and just find all these things where people have personality disorders and they have psychotic disorders and all this kind of stuff. So what I immediately just went in my mind was how could Adam and Eve who were of the same DNA, where would you get psychotic behavior? And could that be something that scientifically might stand out if I did some different research on this? And so what I, what I did, like I did with the, looking for the medical establishment for have a woman having children like that, twins from two different fathers. I went into uh, the work that I'd been doing as my, in my undergraduate to find out you know, are there markers, genetic markers in people who we can go back and say genetically they are being like their parents with psychosomatic, psycho illnesses, um, things that would go into 
you know, terrible situations where a person may be a criminal, okay? And see if there is criminality, if there's psycho problems in people who have family members or let's say a mother or father that might have those kinds of tendencies. And sure enough, you find it over and over again. Now that we do a lot of genetics and genes and that kind of thing, we can find and trace things back with people if they are born with certain tendencies that this is a genetic tendency to be a murderer or to be somebody that kills or somebody that's psychotic or those kinds of things. So I'm like, okay, well, this would make sense that if Cain was the son of Satan, we'll just go ahead and use the name Satan, get away from the Lucifer, Lucifer fell and it became Satan or the great dragon. If he was the son, then he had this genetic tendency to be different. And that would be explained again, his name was acquired, therefore he was not a product of Adam and Eve. So they would not have had the pure DNA that Adam and Eve had. But yet Abel was doing everything, including his name, meaning breath. So God's, you know, he says, you know, he sends and he puts a mark on Cain and he sends him out. And he goes out, you know, into the land of Nod and, and supposedly walled cities. And he, you know, he finds his wife there. Well, going back, let's go back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve have another son, and his name is Seth. And interesting enough, what does scripture tell us? That Seth was in the likeness of his mom and dad. So in other words, he had the breath. And so we can see from that lineage, from Seth all the way down to Noah, we can trace it through scripture. And from Noah all the way to Jesus Christ, we can, we can trace that. And, it, and it's in scripture, perfectly done in the book of Luke and in the book of Matthew. In the book of Luke, it's Mary's lineage. In the book of Matthew, it is Joseph's lineage. So we can see that there was this likeness in your image with the breath that they were all a certain kind of person. In other words, a certain kind of human being. And then you look at, okay, Cain went out to the land of Nod. If you go back into the first few chapters of Genesis, especially Genesis 1 into Genesis 2, you find that it tells us there were generations. It says these are the generations. If you go back to the first chapter of Genesis, you find that God created a male and female in his image. And they were hunters and gatherers. And he told them to go out and replenish the earth. That is a different group of people than Adam and Eve who were put in the Garden of Eden who had the breath. So let's go to the, again, I wanted to go back and look at the science. Was there, or is there archaeological proof that before there were a homo sapien like you and I, was there something that looked like us? And you know, you can go back and look at the apes and all that kind of stuff. And then there's a missing link with Darwin, you know, the theory of Darwin, which just fell apart when we were able to do gene, you know, sequencing and all that kind of stuff to understand about genes. I mean, there's 223 genes that no, nothing is compared to us. So there was not this link from apes all the way down to us. That has fallen apart. But was there something that was like us, human looking? And sure enough, in the record, there is something called a human, a homo erectus 
Yeah. We are yeah. Homo sapiens, but the thing before Homo sapiens was known as Homo erectus. If they were the hunters and gatherers that were already out into the world, then they would have already been doing certain things. And no doubt, questions had been in my mind, where did, where did, you know, where did Cain find his wife at? I mean, where did these people come from? Well, they would have already been out because they, in chapter one of Genesis, were already told to replenish the earth. So they had been replenishing the earth. And then there's generations. And then there's the fact that he creates Adam and he does create Adam outside of the garden and puts him in the garden. A lot of people think it was he was in the garden, but he was actually created outside of the garden and put it in the garden. And then he, everything is a little bit different. Because you see that they were eating of the herbs and things of that nature. Animals really were not eating meat. People were not eating meat. I mean, it's a whole different thing. And when you start really looking at what scriptures say, you start going, oh my gosh, this makes all the sense in the world and how there could have been different levels and different times and epochs and this kind of thing. And it, it all kind of comes together. But you have to sit down and look at every individual word and then trace it back with the Hebrew and get the direct understanding of it. So Going on to the fact that Cain went out into Nod, he married somebody, no doubt in my mind, probably Homo erectus. And the fact that it tells us in scripture, if you go into Genesis 6, 4, that the sons of God came upon the daughters of man and that they had sexual encounters and they created something we call a giant. And so those giants became just terrible things, destroying, and that was with the, the lineage of, of Cain. They were, they were involved with Cain's lineage. And at the same time, if we look in scripture, they had capabilities. They could, they, you had to do war. They could build things. They, they understood the sciences of metallurgy. They understood the science of music. And so when you understand about the fact that these, these fallen angels, according to the book of Enoch, you know, they were cast out. And it tells us, like I say, in Genesis 6, 4, that the sons of God came upon the daughters of men and that they produced giants. Okay, let's go back and look at this. If, if we look at the creation of true DNA, first of all, Adam and Eve could not have created a giant because their DNA would have been the same. And then the fact that when uh, Cain went out and he had, let's say, a sexual relationship with a homo erectus, then they would not have been able to create a giant. But yet when the fallen angels came upon the daughter of men, then they produce these giants. So you can go back and say, well, there's a possibility that because the serpent had a relationship with, with Eve, that Cain literally was, you know, a big person mm. in that day. Okay. And that he felt so big and macho that that's why he was able to kill Abel, that he was bigger. Okay. We can go on in scripture and we find that even after the flood, when Moses and Joshua are going out to the promised land, they encountered the remnants of these giants. And they were told, it tells us in scripture, that they were so afraid when they came back to tell Moses about this. They said, we were like grasshoppers to these people. And they had these walled cities. The same thing that we are told before the flood was going on with Cain and his lineage. So after the flood, there was still this remnant of, of giants. I mean, uh, David, he killed Goliath. We know in scripture that those beings were big and that they had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot and that they really were gigantic. If you, if you think about, if you're saying I look like a, a, a grasshopper to, 
to these people. I mean, imagine us taking this little grasshopper and putting it next to us, how much bigger we are. And so when we see a lot of the, I think, mythological buildings and things and the structures that were made, you can kind of see that these, be these beings more than likely were very real, was not really mythology, that this was really these gods and these beings that were actually here. So I, I, I find it very interesting. When I went back, I wanted to say, well, then if, if this was the case, Cain had his lineage. We know they were marked. God marked them to be a, to be a bag, vagabond and, and really as to be outside the will of God. It's what that meant. He was outside the will of God. So the rest of the, uh, the lineage that came from Seth all the way down to Noah began to get less and less and less because there was less of them compared to the, these fallen angels and the, these giants and all the stuff that they were doing and just, just tearing the earth apart. It made God have to bring about the flood. And in every known history of every race of people, I mean, even the most, uh, what you would say, less intelligent races have a story of a flood. Every one of them. There's not one that doesn't have it. So you, you go, okay, then there was really a flood. So then we look at this. We say, okay, why was it that God wanted to get rid of everybody and only leave eight people got on that, 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 that ark? This is when I came across, because I wanted to know how did, if, if all the, the giants died, if that remnant was gone, how did they show back up after the flood? How, how did that happen? And I had heard all kinds of stories and things about this, that, and the other, how that could have happened. And nobody really, I felt like, had really come to understanding that they were, maybe the angels came back and they started doing the same thing on Mount Hermon. And we know that did happen. They did come back. But how did that how did those genes get across the flood? And so when I went back and saw that there was eight people on, on the uh, ark, what I had never realized that when you look at how many of the animals were clean and unclean, and I had never paid attention to that, that God put unclean animals on the ark. Why? Why did he do that? So if he get if you look at it, it says, and most people don't even know this, and this was another thing that was really shocking to me. If you've ever seen an ark with Noah and his wife, you see two giraffes, two monkeys, two lions. You'll see a male and female. In scripture, there were 14. There was pairs, and there was 14 of them, male and female, okay, of the clean animals. But of the unclean animals, there was only two. So I'm like, okay, if God would allow, you know, these seven pairs of 14 and then one pair of two, he put clean animals on there and he put unclean. So did he put unclean humans on there? So I thought, oh, well, let's look at that. When you look at Japheth and Shem, who was Ham's, I mean, who were Noah's two oldest son was uh, Japheth. And then Shem was the, the younger. Japheth was older. What you realize is that Ham was not their brother by their mother and Noah. So Ham has a different mother, but the same father being Noah. 
So that was real interesting to me. And I'm like, okay, it's very interesting. Let me look at the lineage. And when you find the lineage, you'll see that it says Noah, and these are his sons, Japheth, Shem, and Ham. And then it says in the same context of Noah's lineage and Canaan, and Ham was the father of Canaan. And I'm like, why would Canaan be in Noah's lineage? He should be in Ham's lineage because Ham had several sons, okay? Why is it in Noah's lineage in scripture, it tells us, but Ham is the father of Canaan. And that just really worried me. I'm like, okay, this sounds like, you know, Adam and Eve and Cain was acquired by him, but yet he wasn't the father. Is there something there? And so in scripture, it says that Ham uncovered the fa his father's nakedness. And everybody always thought, well, you know, Noah got drunk. And so Ham either came in and had a homosexual experience with, her, with his dad, which some of the Masonic groups believe, or what did really happen? Did he just expose his nakedness? Well, I started looking that up in the Hebrew and found in scripture every time a son uncovers his father's nakedness means he slept with his father's wife and I'm like oh my gosh because it says Shem and Japheth walked backwards and covered it in other words they did not do that they did not do they did not choose to do what Ham did so when I found in scripture that this meant that Ham had had a relationship with that woman. That would have been either his mother or another woman that was put on the boat. And if that was the case, then the pureness that would not have been, because it says only Noah was pure in his lineages. And then if he had that first woman, first wife, then Japheth and Shem would have been pure, which we know from scripture we find that Jesus's lineage comes from Shem all the way down to Jesus from Noah. But when Ham exposed his father's nakedness, meaning he slept with his, that, that, the wife, more than likely it was his mother. So I went back again and found it in scripture. Scripture never uh, discredits itself. In other words, if you see it say it here it will say it here 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 and here it'll always confirm itself all through scripture so there were other incidences in scripture when you uncover your father's nakedness it is that you slept with the with his wife so i wanted to get a greater picture of this so i'm thinking okay then all the people that were in ham's lineage did they all do that and what i found is they did and interesting enough the sons always went back and had sexual relationships with their mothers so that they became like thoroughbreds. So I wanted to go a little bit deeper and came and found out in science, when we want to make thoroughbred dogs, we mate the babies, the sons back with the mother dog. And that's how we establish thoroughbreds. It is how we weed out recessive genes and make certain genes dominant 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is why the pharaohs, when you had King Tut, and when he died, his wife went back into the Babylonian people because the Egyptian people were not of that same group. And you find even in the histories of the royal families, the thoroughbred lineages, they always pick and choose. And that's why so many of them went with their cousins and mothers and they had so many children that were just mentally off i mean that they had to hide away and lock up because they were deranged people so in looking at that i saw that this is important that after the flood that lineage really did have these pagan festivals of you know fertility where the boys went with the mothers and, and that they had their children like that. And that's where you get Isis and Osiris and you get a lot of the other things that are the, are the pagan fertility gods coming up during that particular period of time. So if that was the case and Ham had slept with Noah's wife, then that is why Canaan is mentioned in Ham, I mean, in Noah's lineage. He's also mentioned in Ham's lineage, but he is listed in the lineage of Noah, and he should not be there. But the reason he is there is because Noah was Canaan's stepfather. Mm -hmm. He was also Ham's son. So, but you understand how it made that all in the lineage, and it had to be shown in because the lineages in the Bible are specific. I mean, whoever's child is who ends up being in that lineage. So I'm like, okay. And what does Noah do? He curses Canaan. He curses Canaan. Why did he choose to curse Canaan? Out of all the sons that Ham had, why, why, why the curse on Canaan? But that was, and so that's when you see the Canaanites. And so then in my, in my research, then I started looking at, okay, how did the Canaanites spread out? And how did they get into the, you know, Nimrod and all the guys that got involved with that? And what we find is that as the Tower of Babel became so important during that time, they were all of one mind, one accord. They were locked into something like we see now my research is showing with transhuman artificial intelligence, the fact that we have universal consciousness, it's heading us back to that same Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. But what was happening during that time period of time, they literally were all locking together with the research that I've done with the pineal gland. And so they had one mind, one accord, and they were building this tower really to go against God. And that's when God came in, destroyed the Tower of Babel, made everybody's communication different so you didn't understand you didn't have that one mind you didn't have that uh universal consciousness that beehive mind that the 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 secret societies began starting to talk about and so that lineage that was the canaanites hittites and all those people that were outside the will of god they literally they took the dominant traits that were of cain's lineage and got rid of the recessive traits. And then that is why you see in scripture that God told his people when they were going to the promised land, kill every man, woman, child, and the animals. And a lot of people say, well, why in the world would God want you know, them killing things like that? Because they were not pure. 
they are of that serpent lineage. And he wanted his people, he kept telling his chosen people, do not mingle with them, kill every one of them. And they didn't do it. They literally began to mingle. And that's where you get like the pure Hebrews that were from the, of Shem. And that was the chosen people. That was where Jesus would be born from. And so he wanted that group to stay completely pure. And the reason was is because it had that serpent seed in it. The other, the, the you know, Canaan and, and Ham's group, they all would, you know, they're, they all stayed together. And so they intermingled and saw all that serpent seed that was so recessive that had gotten, you know, it really, if, if Ham had not seen his father's nakedness and, and gone with his mother, the, the genes from the serpents would have wiped away because they would have been recessive. And so if Ham and his wife had had a child that would have been recessive, 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 it had to require that he went back to his mother to do like we do thoroughbred dogs to get those, those genes dominant again. And so once they got dominant, then that's when I say the Tower of Babel, then that separated them out. And then we know that that same group of the Canaanites, Danites, which was a group of the tribe of Dan that turned against God's people and literally said that it was an adder in the way of which the Antichrist will come from. They actually started mingling with the Canaanites and that group. And so they went to the Caucasus Mountains. We know that the, uh, the Mount Hermon, where the, we know again that these angels came down and were again mingling with human people and, and having some relationships and things of that nature. Then all that continued to stay and become greater and greater and greater because now we can see how the mingling has happened and God didn't want it to do that, but at least it got Jesus to the cross without having any seed within him. And then, of course, there's 144,000 at the end of days from the 12 original tribes from the Hebrews that will be sealed in their forehead in their pineal gland so they don't get locked in to this artificial intelligence and this beehive mind that's coming. So it's, it's that God's tried to keep everybody separated, but his, his people, the people he created like you and I, who were not serpents, we, you know, we look like, you know, we are human, we act human, therefore, you know, we search and we want to know about religions and we want to know about stuff. The serpents, on the other hand, look like us too. And that's why a lot of people can't grasp that there's two seed lines here, even though we may be, you know, you may be British and I may be American and somebody else might be Japanese or whatever, we're still God's children. It tells us the races came about because of uh, of God's creation. So we are all God's children, but there's that one group that are totally thoroughbred serpents that have, they're like Cain. Am I my brother's keeper? No. They're interested in only the fruit of what they can get here on this earth, party, do whatever, and literally want to rule the world. So when God was here, when Jesus came and Satan took him up into the mountains, he said, you know, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all this. Clearly, the people who run the world are the serpent lineage. And of course, we know that when Jesus went before Pilate, he said, my, my kingdom is not of this world. But he has told us that, well, listen, that there's something here with us, that it looks like us, 
it acts like us, but it's not of us. Scripture says it's not of us. So when you get down to when Jesus was here, he did the parable of the wheat and tares. And he's trying to explain, you know, I, I grew up on a farm. So, you know, when you've got wheat out there in the, in the field and it's blowing and whatever, and you have weeds coming up, a good example, we had peanuts. If you went to pull the weeds out of the peanuts, you pull up peanuts with it. And it says that, it, that God's going to allow the wheat and the tares to go together so that, you know, at the end, it's not uprooting stuff as you're going through there. There's going to be a time period when the wheat will be separated from the tares. Well, interesting enough, I find it that when the wind blows, wheat will bow, but the tear will stand straight up in a wheel in a, a big field of wheat and tares like that, wheat and weeds. You can see which ones are the God's people and which ones are standing strong and not doing anything. And I know a lot of people will ask me, they'll say, well, Joy, you know, I've got this kind of blood, RH negative. I mean, there's all these kind of specific mm -hmm. things. And they'll get really worried about that because they think because I, I even had a lady that worked for me that had six toes on each foot. And, you know, that's a sign, a genetic sign of the, of the, um, the giants. That is not what makes you a wheat or a tear. When you are a tear and you are a serpent, you will never, just like Cain, you will never believe that you have a brother in Christ. You will never seek to know or, or understand religion. You will never seek to want to know God. You will have an agenda because you know that your father is the serpent. And that group of people, they may act, they may go to church, they may do all this kind of stuff. But the one thing that they do is that they are over the commoners. The people who rule, who are those serpents, are all connected genetically. I mean, you can go back and there's a lot of people, research that's been done on that, where your people who rule and run the world are all kin to each other. Well, isn't that just a little bit amazing? And of course, the research that I did on skull and bones boys and how you get the chance to even be a part of that is genetics. It has nothing to do with your money, your financial status, nothing. You have to have the genetics to be able to be a part of those upper echelons of secret societies. And they all believe in the beehive mind, going back to connect you to this one world, one desire to control the world like the queen bee. So this, this, this is why the research coming all the way through time is so important to grasp because until you do, you don't get to the point of understanding why artificial intelligence, why we're in a situation right now with things going into our DNA, making us transhumans, taking away the vibratory system of what God created within us, and that keeping the pineal gland from being able to have the connection to God, the creator. I mean, it's all coming to pass just like really scripture tells you. And so when I started seeing this and seeing how the thoroughbred blood lineages and who they were, I mean, these people were terrible. You can go back and you can look in, at um, Vlad, 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 Vlad the Impaler, who we call you know, Count Dracula. He was kin to those people. And there was, um, I'm trying to think of the lady's name, um, that like 600 women that she um, 
drank the blood from. I mean, they were just, these, these people were absolutely horrendous, you know, in, in these, uh, in these royal families. And they always took virgins and they used the blood. I mean, they literally, we, 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 we've heard all the stories about Pizzagate. We've heard, you know, how they use children's, um, um, penile gland secretions. Some people call it adenochrome and that kind of stuff like that, but it's, it's still that they are different than us and they need certain things that we don't as humans won't. And you can go back and, and look at, at the people who worship the feathered serpent. You can look at the Mayans, Incas. What do they do? They sacrifice humans. They tore their hearts out. They drank their blood. I mean, even the royal families found mummies and they cooked and ate mummy meat. I mean, I'm like, oh my gosh, even their bones. This is not conspiracy. I mean, this is history. This is science. And that's why I'm saying until you get someone like myself who really is willing to look at the whole picture, you can keep religion over here and science over here and nobody's putting the two together and seeing this is all being played out so perfectly right in front of us by two different lineages that came out of the garden. And that's the um, and the tears. Which is, I mean, that's a whistle-stop tour of, of it, but I, I, that's the, the main concept of everything that I, I look into is the same bloodline these two bloodline things and um as you say the uh the, the evidence is there prince charles is is i think it was prince charles is um related to vlad the impaler he openly talks about it. prince philip obviously would have been as well the the bloodlines are there they use diana to try and shore out some of these bloodlines blonde hair blue eyes quite clear something i want to move on on now because that was that was incredible i just want to move on onto what you're talking about with the Antichrist and the clone image of Jesus, because this is really important to update what's coming um, now. But what I kind of want to sort of tee that off with people to understand, go and look back at the film Rosemary's Baby yes. and what that's about. Look at what the woman's wearing and then look at Princess Diana and what they made her wear with Prince William and make look at Kate Middleton and what they made her wear with the firstborn, which I think was George, could be wrong with the name there exactly the same dress now yes. understand what these things are about john lennon was killed and sacrificed on the doorstep of the place where they shot rosemary's baby because he knew and also the people around him knew as well like dave geffen who runs hollywood basically um these people have been doing this for a very very long time um so that's just a these are just these little things he's out there to find this bloodline is the main important thing here and as you say, the bloodlines with us today, for me, it's the black nobility bloodlines of Europe are the most prominent and dominant at the moment. And then you look at things like Donald Trump is a is a, a descent um, uh, is related to Hillary Clinton. They're distant relatives. They have the same great great grandmother. I think she's a baroness. It's 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 absurd when you start looking into these things. How how odd they are princess diana was raised in sandringham she was raised she was yes. she didn't meet them she was born to serve a purpose and then she was sacrificed at the 13th pillar right. in a place where they've put the flame on the same flame that they put john lennon's flame on and this is where people where information like i look into the conspiracies joins in and melds in with with the the work that um <coughs> Dr. Joy's doing. We need to work together and find the commonalities, not who believes in this and that, because we're looking at the same things. We're looking at exactly the same things, and we all are saying the same things with different understandings or different, slight different beliefs, but it's the same thing. There's a bloodline on this planet that's controlling over us, and there's not many of them. 
and they've kept this information secret through the Knights Templar, the Knights Malta, the Knights Hospitalia. Same, same people, same bloodlines, same thing. So that brings me now to the Shrouded Turin and the blood that they possibly have cloned from the, yeah. from Jesus, or even if you don't even believe Jesus was a real a, a person. Regardless, there, there's a blood element here of DNA, two strands of DNA. Talk to me about the 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 anti-image of the cloned image of Jesus and the Antichrist and how this is going to play out according to your research. Well, the, the intent has been Satan when he was in uh, the first realms of heaven with God and was created. He wanted to be God. When he was in the garden, he was emulating the tree of life. He was tempting. He was he was very charismatic. Eve wouldn't have been tempted by an ugly snake to have gone over there. At the end of days, it says in scripture that there's a man coming and he's going to look like an iconic image. And John the Revelator uses the word four times to describe the beast of Revelation. And it's an iconic image. The only icon that could be ever used in that case would be Jesus. And Jesus, while he was here on this planet, specifically said that this man was going to be claiming to be Jesus here, there, wherever. And you better be paying attention because he was going to make people really believe that he had come back when that was not Jesus. Because it says, as you see me go, when he's telling the guys that and people that were there, when he descended into heaven, he says, I'm coming back through the air, through the, you know, you'll see me come back as a second coming. And it's not going to be reborn again. But when you go back and you look at what, the uh, King Arthur mm-hmm. and all the stuff with the secret societies specifically were taught that that holy blood that they had no doubt they had the Strata of Turin. I traced them having to Strata of Turin the entire time. They said that that cup was going to live again. That blood would live again. That had been a king. It was going to live again as a child. Even the Rosicrucians were trying to figure out how to keep flesh alive. So this has been an ongoing thing through the legend of Camelot that they're going to have paradise on earth. And the intent was set for a time period to try to make it happen. And so when the shroud was owned by King Umberto, when he uh, got, you know, when he was going to die, it was bequeathed, bequeathed to the Pope. And that's how the Pope got a hold of it. But before the Pope became the owner of it, the shroud of Turin Research Committee had already gone in and done research on that shroud and had gotten blood samples and they had cloned those blood samples. So they knew that it was from a man who was crucified during the time of Jesus and not some of this stuff that we've been lied to about, about um, uh, carbon dating and all that. I mean, that is a bunch of malarkey. I mean, I have the research to prove it. It's still, it, 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 it was done for a purpose because it's not quite time yet for the British Museum and them to release that this shroud is really real because they're going to need it to prove who the man is and says he is. And they're going to be able to do it with it. And that's why it's been preserved like it has. So the fact that it showed that it was a Jewish man and that every bit of the forensics that's ever been done on that shroud is 100% to anyone who would be crucified. The blood from even the pericardial fluid where they jabbed the spear into his side all of that stuff is on that shroud. I mean, the shroud is the most research relic in all of human history. That image that's on that shroud is no doubt in my mind, a burst of pure light. 
And the more you understand pure light, pure energy, and, and how uh, resurrection and how you change from being into uh, a, a, an existence. And I, I try to show that because when the sperm and the egg actually come together, there is a igniting of energy that we now can capture scientifically when that happens. That is the moment your soul comes into existence. So when people talk about aborting babies, there is no time period to abort a baby. When the moment that sperm hits that egg, that is a huge explosion of energy. According that, to the law of thermodynamics, you can't destroy that once it's made. Sorry, is that just about, is that like radiation, radiate? It's almost like, it's like a pure energy. I mean, it kind of just kind of, it, it explodes. It's an energy that's made. And when we know the energy and you look at science, once that energy is made, it can never be destroyed. It can be in different forms, but it's never destroyed. So let's just say that you abort that baby after three or four months, that energy is still there. And in the research that I do for uh, people who have near-death experiences who have had children in that situation either be taken for abortion or have died before they were born, they meet those children mm. when they are in those specific situations of near-death experience. So I find that very, very interesting that that energy once it's made like that. So there is no doubt in my mind that when Jesus resurrected through that cloth, there was that burst of energy because he did not leave his body. His body reverted from being in a dead state to being alive again. So he was resurrected. He went through the cloth and he resurrected in that burst of energy. It would remind you of the little bit of the burst of energy that we can see, you know, microscopically when we're watching a sperm hit an egg and fertilize and become, you know, start the cells start dividing. So these are really important scientific things that go back and say, okay, look at the stratotrin. What do we have on it? We have this blood. One of the researchers that did a lot of research and what he believed that he found in um, Jeremiah's grotto under where Jesus had been crucified was Ron Wyatt. And a lot of people have tried to discredit his work, but I'm going to tell you something. For a man to stand and say that he had gotten the blood off the mercy seat, off the Ark of the Covenant, where it supposedly went down in from Jeremiah's grotto and hit that that day when the earthquake happened. And we know, according to scripture, there was the sun became uh, darkened and then the, the temple veil was ripped from the top down. If we look at that and we look at his research, when he took the blood to the Israeli people to have it uh, looked at, they said, well, you know, there was not dead. He said, well, just spin it, spin it a little bit. And he let them spend it like reconstituted and the blood was alive, literally was alive. So many people would try to say, well, you can't clone this. You can't clone that it's dead. We can, we've got mammoths. We got everything out there that we can get uh, cells off of and be able to clone from one cell. We can take one single dead cell off of me and clean out a woman's egg and pop that cell of me, that skin cell of me in there. And we can, what we have to do, we have to electrify it to get it to divide because we, I don't, I can't put a soul within that. that. That soul only comes from God between that sperm and the egg. We can't, we can't do that. That's a creator thing. But what we get it to do is by electrocuting it, it makes it start dividing. So in nine months, we put that egg back in a woman, she's going to deliver another joy. It will be me completely look identical to me, but it does not have my spirit or my soul in it. It becomes a beast of the field. It is like 
in the Jewish tradition of called golems mm-hmm. that existed. So this would be the same thing as the Homo erectus that was not given the breath of life. There, in other words, people think, well, you know, everybody's human, human, human. And like we just said, they look like us, they act like us, but they're not of us. So I could have a clone of me. I could have 10 clones of me, but I'm only to die one time. And then I have to be judged. My soul will be judged. Those other things, I can take pieces off of them. If I needed a new heart, if I needed a new eye, I could take that and put it on me and never have to take any type of um, drug to be able to keep that particular organ going. Like if we get a, a transplant from somebody else, we have to take all these transplant drugs for the rest of our life because of rejection problems. But when it's cloned, you don't have to take any kind of drug for rejection. You will never reject your own, your own cells. So those things can live just like I am living and talking and breathing like you, but you would never know that within me is my spirit body and my soul, which, you know, the research that I'm doing right now clearly shows that our mind does not really possess this intelligence that we keep when we die. In other words, it's, a, it's almost like it's a mechanical thing that we are using this much like a computer, you know, and that when we step outside the body, when it steps out, it's with us. That's why near-death experiences, you know who you are, you know where you are, you can tell when you come back, all the people that you saw, what they said, and in the whole nine yards. So we look like ourselves, when we step outside of the body, if we, if we, let's say, die in a car accident and we are outside the body, immediately you will see your body laying there, but you will be able to look at you and you're still you and you still have your mind. And you're not hurting because you're no longer within that. If you are brought back in a near-death experience, from the moment until you get back into the body, you don't feel a thing. The moment you land back in your body, you are in a tremendous pain. I mean, people will talk about, you just can't imagine feeling no pain and then coming back into the body like that and the intense pain that you get from, you know, where you have surgery or you've been in a car accident or whatever has happened to you as far as causing your potential death uh, is it's, it's unreal. So what I'm trying to say is when you look at the shroud and you see that all the stuff is on the shroud and that there were scientific investigators, you know, there and that that shroud had been kept Knights Templar, all the people who wanted their King Arthur to live again, to do whatever to live again. You can kind of see that it's been building back to bring us back to the days of King Arthur. And I think it's very strange that if you look at William and you look at the shroud, that they are same height, about the same size, and their facial features and their body. Even when, when William is before people and takes his picture, he actually holds his hands down in the same position as the, the shroud of Turin with the hands down and the cross. So th- there's all these little things that you kind of go, well, isn't it interesting? Like you mentioned, why did they have to have Diana from the, the pedigree? The pedigree is important because until it's revealed who he really is, the pedigree is important for him to be able to stand in a temple or over a group of people and say, you know, like King David, to be prophet, priest, and king. To have that credibility, he has to have the pedigree in place. You know, they're not going to come out and say, well, we cloned you and this is my pedigree. They want it showing, and that's why it was so important to have Diana in place and Charles in place and why he didn't marry Camilla. The whole intent was to be able to prove it 
pedigree wise. Is this the Merovingian blood? Until, he, until he steps into the, the position that he's going to step into, will he ever need the proof hmm. of this shroud? And at that point in time, then they'll they already know it's real. I mean, every pope that that has ever said it's real, and look at the, what the money that has been spent on preserving it. So it's 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 not time to reveal that yet. We first want to reveal the person that needs to be this, and he needs to have the pedigree of this, this, and this to rule, to reign, to have responsibility and capability over the British Empire. I mean, the sun never sets on the British Empire. So is this the, uh, there's a couple of things I just want to bring up before. Um, is this the Merovingian bloodline? And also, is this repeat with Harry, who clearly is not full, the full brother of William? Are they half brothers? Is this say we're trying to reenact as Cain and Abel type? It's theme? almost like the, it's kind of like this. You know, you think about even even back in in scripture when you had twins. Uh, uh, this has kind of been like played out over the course of history, but like you can clearly see, Harry literally does not look like Charles, and literally looks like the boyfriend that we know that, you know, the Diana had to wit. So it, it's very obvious of that situation. And I know that he knows that there's something different about him and that he's not like William. And anybody that I've ever talked with that had a relationship or was in the military or had something to do with William, oh man, they're, they're just like, there's something very unusual and strange about his capability. And of course, I tried to expose all of that in, in my research because I wanted to show how, who he is and why he's called the Dragon Lord and the Dragon King and all these little special names that he was given, even as in the military, you know, it, it, it's just mind blowing the coincidences of what had to be in place. And then the fact that, um, you know, Diana was, was set up, she's clearly said on live TV that those people were, she called them lizards, which is exactly what serpents are. And, and, and she said that they were going to get rid of her for telling the truth and that what she was going to tell was going to be a bombshell. And, and she, like Marilyn Monroe, you know, they both end up dead making the same comment. And then we get Elton John who gets knighthooded because he changes a song up about both of them, Candle in the Wind. I mean, it, it's, it's very, you know, whatever. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. And people who believe in conspiracy theories want to put it there. But I'm trying to bring the science into it to clearly show, just like the Boston brakes, I truly believe the Boston brake thing was used with the car with Diana to remotely control it. And that had been used beforehand. And, 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 and I, I tried to expose that. And, and like you said about where she died, what's the odds of her dying on the 13th pillar there, you know, with the Merovingian stuff? I mean, in the dragon kings and the priest kings and all the stuff that go along with that. Uh, and like you say, the Merovingian bloodlines and how that occurs and how they tied it together. And the fact that she had a fit when Charles said he wanted to name William Arthur. I mean, they had a roundabout thing. Charles wanted to put William's name as Arthur, King Arthur, and she wouldn't go along with it. So they come up with Will. And if you look at that, Will, I am Arthur, you know, it's got I am, William is I am, that's what God is called in scripture, I am, Will, I am Arthur. Um, I find it just interesting, she never called him William. She always called him Wills. Mm. She did not call him out and call him like William. Uh, 
but they had issues. And then there she is carrying the king of England. And she throws herself down flights of stairs to kill herself and the baby. I mean, it's like she told many times she was used as a birthing chamber, you know, that it that she was led to slaughter, that, you know, uh, that Charles was all into this terrible, evil, you know, bad stuff, mm -hmm. demonology and everything else. And then the fact that you've got your uh, Wiccans and your covens that always said that the Antichrist would be born from a woman that was a virgin that was 19 years old. And we know that she was kept, uh, Diana was kept. And that at 19, you know, that's when the process of you know, them becoming engaged and, and all that. Uh, she clearly knew that Camilla was his love. I mean, there's, there's too many people that's written about that. And, and you can look at the pictures. You don't even have to listen to anybody. You can go, I, I've got books and books of her pictures. And you can look, clearly look at her facial expressions in these situations and know that she was very unhappy and that something tragically was going wrong and that she was trying desperately to teach her children right from wrong and that that was not going to be the case that there was a, a, a setup that it was going to be this way and no other way. And, uh, and I think it's, I think it's something that even if you look at uh, the fact that um, Kate and how she was brought in. And, you know, if you look at the, the stories of St. Catherine and St. Catherine was married to Jesus, but yet Jesus didn't wear a ring, but St. Catherine did. And so William doesn't wear a ring. But, you know, Kate does. There's just, there's all these things that just, you know, they were, they were married on, um, you know, those stones there in Westminster um, that clearly show about the end of days. I mean, it's just the Cosmati pavement. I mean, it's just all these kind of things that you just go back and you look at and you think, how could all this all be coming together like it is? Um, and the fact that you can't really get a true number of the beast's name, a 666, because like a pope, I mean, you just look at Pope Francis. His name was not Francis. And whoever comes to power can choose whatever name they choose. And, and William's name is a million miles long. But the, the fact is that they were Germans, that the Windsors anglicized their names to keep them from anybody realizing the connection to Hitler. And all that went down with Hitler, and, and we know all his science, scientists that the Vatican literally took out in the, the, the dead of night, dressed as priests, and they went down into South America and created a town called Twin City. And those are places where artificial insemination became a big thing of women delivering twins by a doctor that they believe was Mingle. I mean, there's just all these things. You just can't go after a while that's just a coincidence. There's too much of it. There's too much of it. And so now we see what is William doing? You know, he's got his hands in the medical end of things as far as, you know, how, how people get care. And then you've got him doing this great thing right now where he's giving money for economic, I'm not economic, ecological systems. And then you've got the Pope involved with him. So the Pope, no doubt, is meeting the, the prophecy of the popes, the last pope, which was Peter the Roman. Well, you can look at St. You know, Francis of Assisi. Assisi he, those are kind of things that I feel like 
excuse me, I fully believe are telling us this is a false prophet. This is a beast. I mean, there's you got the red dragon that's on the, the, the flag of, uh, of Wales. And you've got Charles involved with that. I mean, you, there's too many things lining up to bring us to a time period where control of the human world is possible again, like it was during the Tower of Babel. And you've got these key people who have control over huge numbers of countries as well as the money to control the rest of the world and the commonality between working with a false prophet and working with people who have the, 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 the lineage to make it all work like you want it to work. And I just find it interesting that all your commoners look to them and, you know, that they're, they're doing all these great charities. And what we're finding is their charities are how they're controlling the world. That is exactly how they're controlling. And then they stand up at us. And this is what really gets me in a parade. And they do this number. They wave at you like a cobra. Snake. Yeah. It's a snake. And you can go back and look at Queen Victoria. You can look at the pictures of her. They've got serpents all over her shirt. She's got beautiful paintings and they've got serpents and eyes and they wear serpents around their necks. I mean, it's just right before our face, Richard. And, and it's upsetting when you're trying so hard to make people know. But what happens is when you find out that the people who are ruling the world are dictating also the media, the news, the people who can write books, what they say in the books, it, it, you know, in other words, I can get people to say, well, Joy, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll publish a book for you, but you got to change it up. You know, they want that spin it toward the, toward the serpent and not toward the truth. And so there is a hard, you just have a hard time trying to get out there to expose it because they are literally keeping God's people, God's children hurdle together and they're bringing us more hurdle together and they're fixing they're they're to the point now they're going to start connecting us through that artificial intelligence because you've got elon musk you've got the starlink satellites you've got the ability to go into the brain and do Neuralink. i mean richard these are things that you know we we looked at when i was a little girl maybe on star trek and thought well that's futuristic but this is really real stuff. This is really science that's happening all around us. I mean, when you can take a cell phone and track us all over the world, anywhere, and know where you've been, who you've been, where you've, what you've bought, what you've done. And now we've got the same thing happening with vaccination programs. And you can't do this. And you can't move that. And you don't have your freedoms are gone. And they're taking away more and more freedoms. I mean, we see this coming back to hurting God's people back together and 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 it's it's very sad like you mentioned before we started about the dna and people using these ancestry.coms and when you give that dna to somebody they are able to lock on to you they keep those in databases they sell that to people yeah. i mean i've got i've got uh scientific papers that are written right now that have been sent to me showing wow. do not use those companies that take your DNA because they are selling that DNA and they're controlling that DNA. And I had a, a, a person one time call me because they had a big push for the Christians 
to send all the poor Jews back to their homeland. And what I found out was when we did stuff like that, when they went back in, they were all had to have their DNA taken. So they now know every person that's in Israel, what tribe are they of? Are they original Hebrews? Are they pure Hebrews? They will know if they're part of that 144,000. I mean, it's when you start getting people's DNA, you literally have got their fingerprint beyond fingerprint because it is their connection to the creator. And like I mentioned earlier, when your DNA is taken away from you, let's just put somewhere else. When you react, let's just say my DNA is over here in a jar somewhere. When I react, that DNA that's in that jar reacts too. Yep. So that's the thing that people don't understand. When you start cutting into your DNA, and, and let's just say with some of the vaccination programs, when you cut into the DNA with the CRISPR technology and you put something in there, then you change the vibratory response of your DNA. That's why there's so many documents being written in our country about transhumanism. There's already laws written for transhuman behavior because it's gonna be different as they continue to manifest and change that DNA, then you get people who are not human, like normal human. You're no longer singing. Your DNA is no longer singing. Every one of us, our DNA sings. So you've got your song, I've got my song. And once your singing changes, your vibratory response changes, then God the Father is not connecting to you. It is really, in other words, we're now going to connect you to Neuralink. We're now going to connect you to artificial intelligence. We're now going to connect you to that all-seeing eye, the, the, the queen bee, the top of the, the beehive or the pyramid. And as anybody knows, if you study bees, and the queen bee dies, the workers go nuts. They get all their information on how to do the hive and everything else from the queen bee. And that's what they want. That's what the all-seeing eye, the pyramid, all the secret societies have been working for that. And I trace all that right back to when Ham's group came off of that ark and started doing their thing all the way back into the Egyptians. All of that was right there. This is not something that just got invented yesterday. The fact is they want singularity. The fact is they want the great reset. The fact is they have made this quite known that the population, they can't maintain it. Earth is suffering because we got too many people. So to maintain Earth like they want it, we have the, the poor wheat are going to have to suffer. And whatever it takes, they'll, they'll do the vaccines, they'll do the viruses, they take novel viruses and they change them to kill people. You know, that's, that's the thing is that we have viruses out there right now that were created and paid for and patented and have been put out for humans to die. I mean, it's just, that just blows my mind. And then the people that did that are also the ones involved with the vaccinations who want people to die. So it's a catch-22. How do we get the death of huge numbers of people? We originate this to get them, or we originate that to get them. And if they get through either one of those, we got something else we're going to get them with. And so we're living in a time that scripture told us 
pay attention because there is coming a moment when the man of perdition is going to take that stand in that pyramid at the top and control you, he's going to put a mark of the beast on you that you can't cut out, you can't vomit it out, you can't eradicate it from your body. In other words, it is a part of you. And if it ever gets to be a part of you, toast. It tells you in scripture, God, in other words, you are now a part of the serpent group and you're going to spend eternity in hell. I mean, God, people forget, God is who created hell for his number one angel, Satan. And if Satan had not turned on God, then all of this wouldn't happen. So you can figure if he's that mad about what that guy did, that other be that being, because God is I am, he's, you know, he's never, he wasn't created, he is. But the first created being, the number one guy, he made hell for, I can't even imagine. Because once you go through scripture, it tells all of us we will live again. Whether we believe or whether we don't believe, we're all raised up and we are giving immortal bodies at the end of days. We stand before the I am who decides where are you going to go? Did you choose to follow what I said or did you follow those serpents and Satan? And like I say, they want to lock humanity. They want to lock God's children back into that beehive mind. And they're going to use that antichrist to do it with he has the capability he has the mindset he is satan in the flesh because when you clone something that doesn't have that spirit body in it so it can inhabit it and walk around in it all day long so like if you look at people who have been um let's say satanically possessed and we know like the story of the exorcist the Linda Blair story. That was a true story. Okay. So there are really people who are possessed by demons. Even when God, when Jesus was here, he ran the demons out and they went in the pigs and the swine and they drowned themselves. So the demons talked to Jesus. He talked back to them. They're real. If that's the case and we have a spirit within us and we let that possession happen, we still have the capability like to say, I want this out of me. In other words, we can have an exorcist come in and help us get ourselves back to normal and get that entity out they are real people that you know they talk about paranormal and they don't want to hear that those being those beings are very real and once you ever see one of them oh my gosh and see somebody have an exorcism you know and something happened like that it, it's just mind-boggling but when they those demons leave that person is okay well the antichrist would never want it where somebody could throw holy water on him and exercise him out of a body because there would be another spirit that would be there fighting against him that would have a say-so in it. So the only way, and this makes perfect sense, why John the Revelator said that this beast, he only used it four times, was an iconic, an iconic image, meaning not truly human, looks human, but there's something inside of that thing that literally is Satan walking in flesh. So a clone is a perfect thing to do that with because you are now a beast of the field, no different than what he was using when he played the game with Adam and Eve. He's always wanted to be God. So at the end of days, 
He's going to make people believe he's the Messiah, that he has the answer. All you got to do is take his mark. He's going to let you live forever. He will give you the best scenario that you ever want to hear. And if you fool for it, you're going to be worse than Adam and Eve. We lost paradise because of what they did. God gave us a way to get our paradise back. But it requires us knowing the truth and researching it and seeing it and then making the wise choice. Because when it comes down to it, it's no different than the, the 10 virgins, the, the parable of the virgins in the Bible. Five kept their oil lamps lit. They had oil in their lamps. The other five were pure but they didn't get their oil lamp slip because they were just too busy having their time and they're putting it off. And then when the bridegroom came back, which was Jesus, the five that had the oil could light them and run to the temple. It's based on a Jewish uh, feast. They were able to see how to get to the temple. And then once the doors are closed, they're closed and it's over with. So those other five who are out going, hey, I need some oil. I need some, it's, it's, it's over with. There is something called a catching away of the bride and the bridegroom that happens before the return of Christ. And there is nothing prophetically that has to happen now that that couldn't happen today. That that bridegroom come back and what you've seen people do stories like Left Behind, mm. you know, that Tim Lahey did uh, with the movie Left Behind. It will literally be like that in a, in a, in a listen, twinkling an eye you're just gone. You're just gone. And the graves will be burst open and the whole nine yards. Those people who are Christians who have died who are in their spiritual bodies and in, in, in their, um, and had their soul, they will come back, get that body immediately, just like Jesus did in that cloth. Boom. It's like energy. Boom. It just happens. And, you know, now that we can see the science behind it, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's not like we're dying and it lights out and nothing happens. There is a rhyme and reason to every bit of everything that's happened. Nothing. I have found nothing that I've researched in my own life and think, oh, well, I was lucky or what. It's not a coincidence. It is supposed to be happening. And we have these choices and we have these choices like a big chess game. You know, we get to choose what we do, but we're within that matrix of choice. And if it, there's come to come a time when it's checkmate. So you better make sure the choices you have made when you get to checkmate. And that means the day that you are, I mean, everybody has a date of birth and a date of death. And that's one thing with equidescent letter sequencing of the Bible. You can go in and look, and there was like a bunch of um, rabbis that they took the dates that they were born. And after they died, they found within the scriptures of where their names appeared, the dates of their deaths. So I have always tried to explain to people that you have a destiny of a date. It's not something that's not known. God knows the moment you would be born. He knows the moment who you are, and he knows the moment that you're going to die. That's his plan. And so if that's his plan, you've got the chance. You've got free will because he could have, you know, he wanted us to love him. And if you want someone to love him, love you, you can't make them like a robot. He could have said, okay, I'll make a million robots. And they're going, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That's not what he wanted. He really wanted us to choose him. So he gives us that chance to choose him. 
And if we don't make those right choices, and it's important. I mean, I just can't tell you. I've been doing this almost for 50 years. I'm telling my age now. I have just not found anything. And I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to fool myself. I mean, when I started this research, it was not to do radio shows. It was not to do books. It was not to do uh, History Channel. It was not to do anything like that. Be who's who in the world. It was not to do that. It was not for accolades of any sort, of any, uh, any form or fashion. Money, nothing. The intent was for me to understand why am I here? What is this all about? What's going on and why? And so I built my, my library before I ever started writing books. I built my library, underlined pages and everything to teach me what this is all about. Because I really wanted to know so that when I make choices, I know what's going to be the repercussion of those choices. Because we don't realize everything we think, do, or say is recorded. And in my research that I did on hypnosis, you know, in my undergraduate work, literally when you hypnotize somebody they can remember everything you can take them back to the first grade have them sitting there they'll hold their pencil like with these huge pencils like we used to write with and write their names on like two big lines and their eyes are closed and you're like how did they do that you can take them make them when they were in the seventh grade and tell them to write their name and they cursive write it in these little bitty lines and their eyes are closed and you can take them to a day and they, they're at, like they're looking around their eyes are closed and they're telling you that johnny's got a red, green shirt on and the teacher's teaching about this i mean there are people who are alive today they can remember every moment of their life our brain does have that capability that we can. So everything we think, do, or say, literally scientifically, is there. And so if it's there, then why? And if we are vibrating and our DNA is sending these signals, this pineal gland, like I say, and it would take another whole show for us to do the pineal gland stuff that I've researched, is that the pineal gland is actually like a transmitter in your head. It is made of a quartz-like capability that literally can transmit and rescind. You know, you're getting in, in and out information. And if that's the case and you're vibrating like that, then something is really connecting to all of this. And, and the bad guys know that. That's why they've got the 5G technology going to the 6G technology and how they're going to all connect everybody up and remote control you at a distance because they know the pineal gland has that capability. And they were doing that in the 1960s with the research that I did on Jose Delgado with our uh, military here in the United States. They were already figuring out how do we round up people without having to fire a shot? They don't want to have a civil war. They don't want to have a revolutionary war. They don't want to have really have a world war. They literally want to connect us. We're walking around like robots doing exactly what they want us to do. And they wanted to get it to a population that they can control like that and then use us as their worker bees to do the work. Absolutely. And um, I mean, people don't even understand the very, very the smallest part of this. Look at 5G and look at 60 gigahertz 5G affects the way the oxygen um, carries blood. I'm sorry, blood carries oxygen around the body. I mean, that exactly. is that is that's 5G. So imagine well, it's, and it's, it's military grade technology. So you turned up to a certain point, it feels like your skin's burning and people are absolutely clueless. We did a film about this a year and a half ago. People are See, absolutely that's what, clueless. That's what got me is that the 5G technology was really for military purposes yeah. and literally can be used as like a, it can hit you. You cannot see it coming and just smash you against a wall. And it's like this invisible force 
that's there. And, and that's the thing, Richard, is that people, how do you get people aware that we are literally in the end of days and that we, if we don't fight back, if we don't stand up, if we don't try to do what's right, you know, and I don't think we can. I think we're already into the tribulation period. I think we're, we're so far gone that we're going to fall through that tribulation period because you can already see the signs of the sun, moon, stars, all the pestilences, all the plagues, the fact that we've got famine everywhere, we've got drought, we've got, you know, cold weather here, too much hot weather there. I mean, we are literally a planet gone awry. And I don't think there's any, I think they think sustainability and their ecological plans to bring back and do a, a reset that they think they can do that, just like with their big uh, vaults that they have up there in Antarctica, where they put all the seeds up there to keep away, and then they genetically modified all our stuff, and then our genetic food is affecting us. They've been killing people with that, with pharmaca, and that's sorcery. That's what scripture, the, the, the Greek word for that is. I mean, you know, so we can look at this and see there's been a game plan the whole time to bring us to a point in days that they're taking us back to that Tower of Babel. And in fact, when y'all had the Olympics over there in England, you remember Nimrod? You remember the Tower of Babel? Then the, the, the um, stadium was made like uh, a crown of Nimrod. I mean, you just can't make that stuff up. No, but people don't see the symbology. They don't. They don't understand Corona means crown. And obviously the crown is, is the sun. And they don't understand any of this symbology. And you need to understand the conspiracy side. You understand the spiritual side, the religious side, science side, the, the transhumanism. And you understand that how they are all different colours of the same agenda that's going out. The very last question I wanted to ask you then is, why do you think they've sped up so quick in the last two years? Have they been spooked into speeding up? Do they have a certain date? Something spooked them. Something they had a date. They had a date, and the date that they had was set because it was. They took the the oracles over in Europe. There's oracles on each one of the old oracle sites. They built Gothic cathedrals. So your Templar put the, their Sun Cathedral, their Moon Cathedral. They're all on these cathedral sites, and they called it the Great uh, Pathway of the North. And what they did, they took their Illuminati guys and they walked this path and they ended up at Roslyn Chapel, which was considered the crown chakra of that. And they established a date, July the 28th, 2019, as the date that they wanted to start their apocalypse. That was what they that was the date that they intended for it to happen. Now, the research that I've been doing and trying to get to that date is that the coronavirus, if it was developed in the lab in Wuhan by uh, the United States in one of our uh, universities and carried over there, then in China, they had a military kind of uh, Olympics. And supposedly, like in September or October, I think it's in October when that happened, a lot of the military guys got sick. And the interesting thing was the Chinese people were told to stay in their homes. They were nowhere to be found while that Olympics with those um, guys were going on, girls. And the fact that during that time, those patents were developed would tell me that if they had that July 28th, 2019 date set, 
then September, August, September would have been starting to do the release on that. And then the fact that the military special Olympics was held there, that's their um, military games or however they call it. And then all of those people went back to their original countries sick. And then it just seemed like, because you can't say that a bat biting somebody could have spread around the world as fast as it did. You had to have people as carriers. And the only way to do that, if they kept their Chinese people, you know, locked inside and gave that, you know, to those people to take out into those planes and then be exposed to the people back in their countries, that was a way to initially get it to all the countries, especially the ones that had the numbers of people that came from their military to actually participate and was quite a huge number of people. So if that was the case, then they literally would have had that July the 28th, 2019 date set up. And so supposedly, if that was the case, then that would have been the beginning of what they would have said, we want to have everything ready by that date to start our so-called apocalyptic uh, endgame, you know, to get us to the point of reset, new world order, artificial intelligence, connection, Tower of Babel, back where it needed to be. And I, I just think it's quite interesting that it happened right after July the 28th, 2019. And also with the Queen of England at the age that she is, it won't be long before Prince William is, is on the throne compared to where I don't think Charles will be completely leapfrogged over. So that, that's coming. She hasn't got long left. Obviously, we had Prince... Um, uh, what's his name? I can't remember Andrew. his name now. Andrew. No, um, not Andrew, the dad. Um, oh. the dad. Uh, Charles' Philip. dad. I forgot his name. The Queen's Philip. husband. Philip. He just died. Queen Philip. Philip just died and he just passed away. So there was obviously a quite quick rush there as well. So, I mean, this has been an amazing wish to stop tour. We need to do this again as well to go on to the next I bit. Want, I want to say one thing because I didn't course, yeah. make you understand. How did that July the 28th, 2019 come about? Okay, yep. I wanted to make sure you understand. Those oracle sites to each one of those things that are over there that the Knights Templar built their Gothic cathedrals on, their, their planets, like if the moon was here, the sun was here, the um, Saturn was over here, the oracle sites were those Gothic cathedrals. On that date, they matched perfectly, all of them. In other words, when our heavens came over, that date, then the moon oracle, the moon was here, it matched the moon. The sun was here, it matched the sun. The, you know, whatever planet was here, it matched that planet. To every one of the oracle sites on that day, it never happened before. So it was written in those oracle sites. And then the Knights Templar came back and put their Gothic cathedrals on top of those oracle sites. And then the date that those oracle sites matched the heavens at, and you know what they're saying is, as above, so below. When they matched, then that date, July the 28th, 2019, was their setup for their people to know it was time to begin their apocalyptic release. Pretty amazing that something's been there. I mean, we're talking about Oracle sites has been there for thousands of years yeah and it's amazing yeah, and the emperor came back and built the gothic cathedral yeah. and if you know about gothic, gothic cathedrals like i was saying they are they are instruments and they have crypts under them that only the secret people know about they go into the crypt 
and you sit in the crypt. It's no different than the sarcophagus in the Grand Pyramid. And it vibrates at a, like an F-sharp frequency. It opens up the pineal gland and you have these, these illumination states that you go through. And then they walk that great north uh, walkway, like a dorium, I think is what they called it. And they got to, to Roslyn Chapel. And that was the opening of that one. And that was when they were to become illuminated. So, I mean, it's, it's, all, it's, it's all written in stone. It's, it's literally right before our eyes. And, and it's like I say, you, you keep trying to make people get a, get a grip, get a grip. This is all really happening and it's all connected. And, and we've got the science to prove it. You know, it, it's, it's, um, it's amazing. And I do believe that we are the end of days and that everything from what scripture says, the book of Revelation is going to play out exactly what it's doing. Because so far, everything has been 100%. It hasn't missed a beat on everything that I've studied. It's right spot on, spot on, spot on. So it's coming. I mean, I just don't, I don't see how anybody can't see it if you just do the research and just read it. The problem is, is that Christians, and I get upset with Christians because they don't even read their Bible. And I'm like, would you go down to take, you know, a car manual i mean take a test on driving a car if you hadn't read the manual but people don't even read which supposedly is god's word the creator's word they listen to other people or assume it doesn't mean anything or and it's it's written it's written for us to know what's going to happen and it's not a, a it's not a good thing what we're going to go through because richard instead of it getting better it's going to get a lot worse before either the bridegroom comes back for the bride, for the catching away, or the second coming, which we know is going to happen in the Valley of Medigedo over there, which is called the Battle of Armageddon. And for the first time in our history, look at the Chinese, and, and we've never had these million men armies and in the capability of walking across the Euphrates, and it's, you know, they got the dam, we can dry it up and walk right across it. And like all your military guys, Patton and MacArthur, they said that that battlefield over there in that valley is the most perfect battlefield that was ever created and it was all done by God. And it's just sitting there waiting for that final day. And, and, and you know, I don't know whether it's gonna be over water or what it's gonna be over, but we're gonna to get to the point right now, a lot of your biggest um, uh, rivers are drying up and most of the area over in the Middle East What's happening is their water is drying up and it's becoming extremely salty. And right now, the Israelis are the only people over there that have a magnificent capability of changing the, their water back to regular water. So, I mean, I can see how these things that we think are you know, nothing to be worried about because we can get in the shower and turn the water on and let it just run and run and run and run, that those things are going to get to be very scarce. And, and, and you know, gold, you can't swallow gold. You can't drink gold. Yeah. You can't drink silver. That's why when they take the money and put it into Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is already here in the United States. I mean, I have a friend that lives next to one that's the, the facility that's underground. You can't get to it. And literally, we change over to currency like that. where You can't get your money and you can't buy, sell, or trade. You can take all the gold down to somebody that's got water and they can't use that gold. They're not going to get take your gold for their gallon of water. I mean, we're gonna to get to the point that those things are so needed 
and we, and we can see it coming. I mean, we can see the economic disaster. I mean, with the, the Chinese party told their people just the other day that go out and stockpile food because they believe this winter is going to be one of the worst ever to ever hit. So, I mean, we've got people in, in big places talking this. You know, ecologically, we are in a disaster. I, I, I have created purposely disaster as well. Um, yes. So where can people find your work? Let's do this again as well, because we've got so much to go and it's been lovely chatting to you and I could listen to you all day because this is so much to learn. Um, but it also yes. re reaffirms a lot of the stuff that I know and I'm learning. I'm only 40 years old. I've been doing this 10 years, so I've got a lot of catching up to do. But obviously I work with the people, quite a few people that have different takes on these things, but the themes are the same. And I'm like you said, is that I'm looking for commonalities here and, and it's quite clear of what's going on. And I think a lot of people are waking up to it, but also I think that, that, that it's not nowhere near enough. Where can people find your work and connect with you? Yes, go to my website, which is uh, Dr. Joy. It's www.drjoydrjoye.com. It's joy with an E, D-R-J-O-Y-E.com. And then you can find me on Facebook, and it's joy, J-O-Y-E. And the last name is Pew, P as in Paul, U-G-H. And you can friend me there, and that's where you can find all the radio shows and things that I do, the links if I've been on a show, the links will be there for you to go back and re-listen to it and that kind of thing. So those are the two best things to do. And then I have on my website, I have a, a form that's called a submission form. And if you'd like to ask me a question, I do have a radio show that I do once a month at the end of every month. It's on a Monday night on YouTube from 8 to 10 Eastern. And I answer the questions that I get from people uh, anywhere in the world on, on that night. Uh, um, any any question you want to ask, I most most everything <laughs> I have had, I've had to study in so many different aspects. I mean, it's just very few questions that I get that I'm like, I've never heard that <laughs> before. But, you know, I'm very blessed that, uh, that God has given me the knowledge about this, because I do think that we're living in some really um, important times for you to know what's happening and to be aware and to be on your toes. Because really, Richard, inside of us is a soul. And it is our greatest asset. And I've always said, guard it with your life. Just know where you want your soul to go because it's, it's alive. It's never going to die. So make sure you choose, choose wisely. Well, thank you, Joy, for giving me your time. I know we've did a lot more, but I really wanted to get through that massive timeline to set up the next one because it's important for people to understand there's a whole 6,000 years worth of history here yes. to go through in an hour and 44 minutes. And I just think that you've done a great job well, of me, dragging us through. Seven years, to the, yeah. seven years to do the book. So, you know, we did pretty good to do, do a little not, bit of it in two hours. We did really good. It's not bad. Well, thank you, guys. Please leave your comments below. I will put all the links as well. I'm going to check out the books, check out the website and contact um, dr joy as well and um, i will get you back on the next sort of six weeks maybe in the new year and we could do another one and, and go forward especially with the antichrist stuff because yeah. it's really really important just so before we go how would you like your work to be remembered and, and your your kind of input on this because i feel like you you deserve a far bigger platform than you've been given and i'd like to try and help you with that as well well you know i, I want my i guess i want to always be remembered for telling the truth that I really, the truth will set you free. It's like I said, if you ever get the foundation and you've got it, 
people can tell me about things and I know it to be a certain way and they can tell me whatever they want to tell me. They can make me feel like I'm terrible. When I know the truth, I know the truth. And when you know the truth, it sets you free. And that's what I want to do is for people to know the truth so that it sets them free and they have the right information to make the right choices. I really want to be thought of, you know, about she wanted people to know the truth because the truth truly does set you free. I'm unapologetically fly. I don't wonder why. That's just my attitude. Yeah. Okay. Hey, that's just my... Uh, 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 come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh.